Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by pelvic health physical therapist, Julia Smeltz. Julia and I had a great conversation today, diving into a number of topics, including what to do so we can minimize our risk of having pelvic health issues, what to do if we do have issues so we can work on resolving them, and also got into the postpartum discussion and how we transition back to activity safely and minimize our risk of future pelvic health issues. So whether you are male or female, athlete, clinician, or coach, I think you'll find this conversation highly valuable. So let's tune in. Julia, thank you for joining me today. How are you? Oh my gosh. Thanks, Brianne. It's so good to be here. I'm doing super well. I'm really excited to be joining you today. Awesome. I'm excited as well. We connected fairly recently and I love what you're doing, um, the people that you work with. So I'm really excited to get you on here. I'm going to have you just start by introducing yourself. You can say as much or as little as you want, but I'll just start with the question of who are you? Oh my gosh. I feel like that is a very deep question. <laughs> I feel it's like it's candy. the question. It goes so many different directions. Right. Exactly. It's the question that we're all trying to figure out in life. Who are we? Um, I will leave the existential <laughs> discussion for later. Um, but essentially, um, I'm a public health PT. I'm actually a sports med and public health PT currently working in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. So my background has been in sports and orthopedics for years. Uh, before I was a PT, I was an athletic trainer, love working with athletes, love working with motivated individuals who want to have a better relationship with their bodies, um, and create increased awareness and alignment. Um, I, let's see, I've been working in a number of places. Um, I started my own practice two years ago and it looks very different from what it looks like now. So two years ago, I was living and working in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I started a pelvic health practice to serve women in my community who needed uh, postpartum rehab. So needed to rehab their pelvic floors and their core systems after having a baby. So I did that going into patients' homes and treating them in the comfort of their homes, which was really cool because I was in their environment um, and was able to see how they were moving and operating within their environment and make adjustments kind of in real time, which was really fun. And then of course, COVID hit, which changed everyone's plans. So I was actually in New Zealand working, not physical therapy related, um, farm related. I was doing some farm stays um, when COVID hit, got evacuated from the country and landed back in Pennsylvania where I was born and raised and um, decided to stay in the area to be closer to the family, found a house in Eastern Pennsylvania, Bethlehem, PA, the second most famous Bethlehem in the world. Um, many of you have, may have heard of it. It is Christmas city. So it is definitely well decorated right now um, as we're recording this uh, around Thanksgiving time. Um, so anyway, purchased a home in the area and have been remodeling the first floor into a clinic space. So now I see clients uh, in the first floor or on the first floor of my, uh, of my home in that clinic space, and then also do a lot of education online. So that's kind of what I do. And my goal is to bridge orthopedics and pelvic health because there really is no separation between them. Um, everyone who moves and has a pelvic floor is a pelvic health client and pelvic health is really about the pelvic floor and the deep core system. And these are structures that are essential to all human movement. So before you take a step, whether you're walking or running or reach for something, your pelvic floor and your deep core system, they're the very first muscle groups to engage in anticipation of that movement. And they help to support all human movement. So whether you are an athlete, a runner, a CrossFitter, whether you're a mom, a child, anyone, if you move and have a pelvic floor, pelvic health is important to you. And it can um, benefit any population who's willing to take a look at it and increase their pelvic health. If you're an athlete, engaging your pelvic floor will definitely give you an athletic edge in any endeavor because you'll be moving with more fluidity of motion. You'll be decreasing your compensation patterns and you'll be utilizing your core system to help support every movement that you make. So that's a little bit about what I do. Yeah. And what I find fascinating there is like the pelvic floor is this part of our body that we basically or most people tend to forget about until it's not working right until, especially as females, 
we start leaking when we're running and jumping or like doing heavy deadlifts or doing all these things, all of a sudden then it's like, oh, I have a pelvic floor that I should probably work on. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's like, I feel like it's like the feet for, or for like me and treating the feet. It's like, it's this body part that's like, we all have, it needs to function, it needs to do its job, but we don't really look at it. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Yes. And I love that you have so much focus on the feet because there's so many ties between the feet and the pelvic floor, which maybe we'll talk about maybe this interview, maybe a different one. But um, yes, the pelvic floor, it definitely is an underlooked at group of muscles. Um, it doesn't sound super sexy to be like, hey, I'm going to the gym. I'm going to work out my pelvic floor today. Like, no, I'm going to do like tries and buys. So it's definitely not looked at. And that's also a product of our society and our culture in a way as well, because many of these structures are, you know, intimate structures. It's not something that we've been programmed or encouraged to talk about on a daily basis with friends and family, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up. So it's not like many of us are going to be around the Thanksgiving table being like, Hey, would love to talk about, you know, how thankful I am for my pelvic floor and also talk about how like I've been in pelvic health PT and now I'm not leaking when I run, jump and sneeze. Can we talk about how thankful I am for that? We just don't talk about these things because there are, there are some cultural taboos surrounding them. That's awesome. Um, so let's start here with the conversation. Let's talk about those people who have no issues what are things that like the healthy person, no public floor issues can actually start doing to ensure or at least minimize the risk of things not happening? Yeah, that's a really great question. So two of the main things that I tackle basically on every pelvic health assessment, like I'm seeing someone for the first time, maybe they have pelvic floor dysfunction, maybe they're not sure and they just want to check out, you know, what they're baseline level of pelvic health really is the two biggest things that we work on kind of day one are posture and breathing. So I know on social media, there's been a lot of going on like, oh, like there's no such thing as bad posture or like, you know, breathing, there's different ways to breathe. Yeah, all true. Um, everything is permissible. Not everything is beneficial for the body and especially for individuals bodies and what they're using their body for. So for example, when we talk about the deep core system, we're talking about this system in the midsection of the body. And this deep core system, it's basically the pressure management system of the body. It uh, supports every movement that we make and it's comprised of four muscles. So these muscles are the pelvic floor on the bottom. This makes the floor of that deep core system, this canister of muscle. We also have the breathing diaphragm on top. And then wrapping around the back, the sides, and into the front of the canister, we have the transversus abdominis muscle, which is the deepest abdominal muscle of the human body. And then on the back, going up and down the spine, we have the multifidi muscles. So all these muscles work together. They form the deep core system. They help manage pressure within the human body. And as I mentioned before, it's this system that activates in anticipation of every single movement that we make. When we have a stabilized base of support from which to move from, we don't use as many compensations and we don't set ourselves up for injury. So it's really important to one, gain awareness of your deep core system. If you're not aware of it already, to gain um, a healthy relationship with your pelvic floor, your deep core system, and then to look at your posture and your breathing. The reason we look at posture and breathing to see the health of our deep core system, our pelvic floor, is because if this system has kinks in it, as in if the diaphragm is not aligned over the pelvic floor and there's kinks in the system, our pressure management isn't going to be as optimal as it could be. So that's where posture comes into play. And in our society, we're spending a lot of time sitting. We're spending a lot of time in not so great postures to support the health of our deep core system and our pelvic floors. So that's why looking at posture is really important. Also breathing. So breathing fires up this entire core system. The breath is so important. Many of us don't really know how to breathe. I spend a lot of time um, throughout my day teaching individuals how to breathe, which sounds so ridiculous since, 
you know, breathing, that's the very first thing we do as soon as we enter this world. And it's the very last thing we'll do when we leave. We're breathing constantly, but many of us are not breathing in a way that we're able to activate our deep core system. Many of us are shallow breathers or using accessory muscles to breathe. And because of that, we're not able to get that breath all the way down into the pelvic bowl and use it as the key in the ignition to fire up this system. So for anyone who may not be experiencing pelvic floor dysfunction, I would encourage you take a look at your deep core system. Take a look at the health of your deep core system and how you're supporting it throughout your daily life. What are your postural habits? Are you creating kinks in that system so that it's not able to function as optimally as it would like to? And maybe you're getting away with it right now because you're young and your body's super adaptable. But sooner or later, the body's going to tell you like, hey, this isn't optimal and it's going to give you some signals. And the way the body communicates with us is through pain. It's through discomfort. It's telling us that something's wrong and something's need to, something needs to change. So it would be great if we could tackle posture, tackle breathing before the body has to tell us, hey, something needs to change and send us those pain signals. When you're talking posture, are we talking just not sitting as much? Are we talking avoiding slouching? Is it something completely different that we don't normally talk about? What are we looking at when we're talking posture? Yeah, so glad you asked that. Um, so movement is great. The body loves movement. The more we can move, the better. Whether this means, you know, if you have a desk job, means setting an alarm at the end of every hour that you work, getting up and just taking a lap around the office. Movement's great. When I talk about posture, I'm talking about the posture that affects the way this deep core system is able to operate. So when we talk about postural strategies to support the deep core system, Basically, what we're talking about is creating alignment in the system, getting rid of kinks in the system. And the best way to kind of create a cue to do this is to ensure that the rib cage is over the pelvis, meaning that the diaphragm is right over top of the pelvic floor. So this ensures that all those muscles that make up that deep core system are operating at their mid-range of motion and are able to function more optimally. So when I talk about posture and postural strategies, that's what I'm talking about. So think about this, um, whoever's listening, wherever you're listening, whether you're sitting, standing, maybe you're in quadruped position, maybe you're in a plank position, who knows what you're doing right now. But wherever you are, in whatever position or form your body is in, Think about where your rib cage is in relationship to your pelvis. Uh, when individuals are standing, I usually ask them to check in with their posture starting at their feet because we have multiple diaphragms throughout the body. The pelvic floor is a diaphragm. The arches of the feet are a diaphragm. Obviously, we have our breathing diaphragm. Our glottis is a diaphragm. So we want to make sure that all these diaphragms are engaged. So if you're standing, this might be something fun for anyone who's listening to try right now. If you are in a safe place to stand, obviously, obviously, if you're driving, do not stand. But if you're in a safe place to stand, feel free to stand and just ask yourself, where do you feel your weight distributed on your feet? Do you have more weight on your right foot, more weight on your left foot? Can you even out that weight so that the weight is evenly distributed on both feet? And then check, take a look at where your weight is distributed front to back. Is your weight hanging out on your heels? Are you hanging out near the balls of your feet or is it centered kind of on your midfoot, using your whole foot for support? And then take a look at your pelvis. So is your pelvis moved um, tilted forward? Is it tilted back? We call this anterior pelvic tilt, posterior pelvic tilt, or is your pelvis in a neutral position? So you can think of your pelvic bowl holding water and think about if that water is spilling out forward, if it's spilling out back, or if the water is still and quiet. We want that water to be still and quiet. This puts our pelvis in a neutral position, which allows all the muscles that attach to the pelvis to work from their midline, their mid range of motion and to create healthy movements. And then from there, bring your awareness to your rib cage and see if your rib cage is over your pelvis as in more forward, if it's back or if it's centered right on top of your pelvis. And again, as I said, making sure that the pelvis and the rib cage are aligned helps all the muscles of the deep core system find their mid range and work more optimally. So when we're talking about posture, that's kind of what we're talking about, just supporting the system. And if you're standing and you've gone through these steps, you may notice that your posture, if you look in a mirror, it looks really great. Like maybe you have forward shoulders and just fixing your feet, your pelvis and bringing awareness to your rib cage and where it's positioned over your pelvis really brought your shoulders into a nice, beautiful position. Maybe it took your forward head position and brought it back in alignment as well. It really affects 
everything in the body. And then also like take a deep breath from here. When we're in this position, we're able to breathe more optimally as well. And you can play around with these positions. Like if you bring your hips really far forward and tilt that water out the front of your pelvis going into an anterior pelvic tilt and try to breathe from here, it's going to feel really restricted. You're not going to be able to get a deep breath. Same thing if you bring that pelvis back into a posterior pelvic tilt, as in spilling the water out the back of the pelvis and try to take a deep breath. It's not going to be as optimal. So these postural strategies help to take the kinks out of the system so that the muscles can work optimally and also enhances your breathing. Awesome. Very good explanation. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and I love that you brought in the whole like four diaphragms or four arches. Yeah. To it too. Cause that may be a future podcast that we just dive into. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> um, so then uh, let's go to the other one that's the breathing. Mm-hmm. We can like belly breathe. We can chest breathe. We can do holding our breath and do short little breaths. Like we do all sorts of crazy things in our lives. Sure. Um, what is when we're talking pelvic floor, what is the best way to breathe for keeping that pelvic floor and that deep core area strong? Right, right. So this really, the first step would be taking a look at your own breathing habits. So if you're engaging in breath holding, every time we hold our breath, we're essentially sending a signal to our body that our body is in danger. So whenever the body is in danger, muscles start to guard and contract to protect us. Um, we know that we hold a lot of stress and guarding and tension in our upper traps as human beings. We also hold a lot of stress and guarding and protection in our pelvic floor muscles. So every time we're engaging in breath holding techniques and we're sending that message to our body that it's in danger, our pelvic floor is tightening up in order to protect us. So taking a look at breath holding. Um, also taking a look at how you're breathing. Are you a shallow upper chest breather? If that is the case, then we're not getting that breath all the way into the pelvic bowl in order to fire up the muscles of the deep core system. And the reason this is important is because the way this core system works, when we breathe in, the diaphragm descends in order to allow air into the body. The pelvic floor lengthens and elongates in order to give that air somewhere to go. The transverses abdominis expands, so belly button pushes away from the spine, and then the multifidi muscles also expand. So we have this entire system, all these muscles that are on stretch, and what put them on stretch is the breath. So now that we have a whole system on stretch, we have potential energy. We can do something with that energy. And we do something with that energy on the exhale. Again, it's all channeled by the breath. When we exhale, we have this elastic recoil effect where the muscles go from a stretched position back to their resting positions to a more contracted position with that elastic recoil. And it's this elastic recoil that creates our base and our foundation for all human movement. It creates this solid base of support. It helps to stabilize our pelvis and our low spine so that we can engage in healthy, injurious-free movements. So that's why the breath is so important. And um, if you look online, you'll see there's all these different ways to breathe. Like some people talk about belly breathing or diaphragmatic breathing. The breathing that I really like to uh, talk to my clients about and educate them on and teach them how to breathe is using 360 degree breathing. So this is really nice because we're using all of our lung capacity. So if we're just doing belly breathing, we're not really we're just putting a lot of pressure in our bellies, to be honest. There's nothing wrong with belly breathing, but if you're experiencing pelvic floor dysfunction or you're working on enhancing your pelvic health and enhancing your core system, just putting a ton of pressure into your belly, not going to be super helpful. What we really want to do is create that whole stretch effect, that whole potential energy on the system. And the best way to do that is through breathing 360 degrees. So a great way to see how your breathing is, is if you just take your hands and you put them on your lower ribs and take a deep breath. Do you feel the air entering into the front of your fingers and the front of your body? Do you feel that air entering laterally out to the sides into the the web space of your thumb and index finger? And do you feel that breath entering the back of your body into your thumb? You should feel 360 degrees, kind of like an umbrella breath all the way around your body. Um, so that's a good way to kind of test your own personal breathing and also looking at what habits you engage in. Do you engage in breath holding when you're really concentrating every time you bend down to pick up your baby or pick up a weight in the gym? Are you holding your breath and using that as a bracing strategy? 
Um, there's tons of different bracing strategies, and that may be a fine one for you. But if you're experiencing pelvic floor dysfunction, then that may not be the best one for you because you're creating more pressure in the system. And if you're experiencing dysfunction, such as leakage or pelvic pain or fecal incontinence or you know low back pain, all those things, we want to try and decrease pressure on the system because those dysfunctions are showing up showing us that we're not able to handle the pressures that we're putting into our deep core system. So we'd want to offload that pressure until we can train up the system. And then maybe breath holding would be a good, good bracing mechanism to use, depending on what you're doing and what you're asking your body to do. Okay. So I think you just kind of answered the question I was going to ask, but I'm going to ask it anyway, in case mm-hmm. you fully haven't. So a lot of times when we're lifting heavy, we're thinking like one rep max back squat, front squat, those sorts of things. It's like we train ourselves to take that full breath for that nice, strong core area. Is Mm -hmm. that something that like we shouldn't be doing? Is that something that's okay? Like good to do as long as we have a healthy pelvic floor, like what's. Yeah. Good question. So, (laughs) so there's no such thing as a bad exercise. There's no such thing as a bad brace. Um, It's all about how we're doing it and what is best for our bodies. So I really don't believe in generalized statements because they're never true. Um, Every body is different and every body needs something specific. And also, you know, what you're asking your body to do will play into that. So yeah, taking a deep inhale, that's great. Why is taking a deep inhale great? Because we know that when we take that deep inhale, we're putting all these structures on stretch. And then if we're holding pressure, if we're doing a brace where we're bracing by holding our breath and holding pressure in there, that's going to be one way to brace, which is totally fine as well, as long as our deep core system and our pelvic floor can withstand that pressure. Um, If it can, then there's nothing wrong with that bracing strategy. If we're having a hard time um, managing that pressure and the body's going to tell us by sending us signals and dysfunction. So it's either going to be pain or it's going to be symptoms such as urine leakage or fecal leakage or something of that nature where the body's telling us, Hey, this is way too much pressure in the system. And now that pressure is following the path of least resistance. If it's the pelvic floor, we're going to have leakage. If it's the low back, we're going to have back pain. If it's the front of the body, we're going to have herniations. So if we're getting any of these symptoms and these messages, we need to make a change. And that change may be blowing off some of that pressure. So for athletes that I work with who are experiencing pelvic floor dysfunction, such as urine leakage, pelvic organ prolapse, pressure in the bottom of the pelvis, feeling like things are falling out when they're lifting something heavy, or um, maybe some of you are familiar with this. If you're in a class and they're like, all right, we're going to do double unders or something with a jumpsuit or (laughs) jumpsuit, jump rope. (laughs) That would be a fun class. Uh, We're going to jump out of a plane. All right, everyone grab your jumpsuit, Um, jump rope. And you see half of the class leave to go use the bathroom just in case, just to prepare. Then, you know, like, all right, we got some pelvic floor dysfunction going on here and we probably need to come up with some better strategies for what we're doing. Cause the body's telling us, Hey, the pressure that you're building up, we're not able to withstand it. We need some help. Um, we need some pelvic floor reeducation, some rehab. We need to build these structures up, uh, create increased coordination in the core system so that we can do what you want to do. So if I'm working with a client that's experiencing any of these dysfunctions, we're going to take a few steps back and we're going to find a better bracing mechanism for what their body needs right now and what they're able to withstand right now. And that doesn't mean that's the bracing mechanism that we're going to use all the time and for every situation, but it's just giving their body what it needs right now so that we can decrease dysfunction and help to build that system up in a stronger way. So one of the techniques that I use, um, it's called blow before you go. Uh, This is um, actually based off of a lot of research by Julie Weeb, who's a public health PT that I really respect. And uh, essentially, if we have a lot of pressure in the system and we're going to lift something heavy and we're going to increase more pressure or put more pressure into that system, we want to offload that pressure as much as we can while we're lifting whatever it is that we're lifting that's really heavy. So we wanna exhale before we start to lift and exhale through the lift so that we're not breath holding and we're not building up a more pressure and tension that's gonna be pushing on the pelvic floor and pushing out against the abdominal wall and the low back. We're blowing off that pressure as we're going through the lift in order to give those structures a break and to give them more support. 
But as I said, there's no such thing as a bad brace. It's just how you're using it and in what situation you're using it and whether it is best for your body right now in this season. But that can always change. Yeah, and I think it's good that you you did note that or like really point that out that when it comes to improving anything or working on anything, it is a just a like, this is what we're doing right now. It doesn't mean it's going to, how it's going to be forever, but it's just like, we need to get your body to be able to do X, Y, and Z first. Yeah, absolutely. So for someone who like, you talked about the bracing techniques and kind of adapting those, if we have issues for someone Mm -hmm. who does have issues though, um, we know Kegels are not the answer. Um, what's like, what can we start doing to like, if I'm a person who every time I, I'm that person that goes to the bathroom, say every Mm -hmm. time I'm going to do double unders in the gym, Yeah. what can I start doing at home in order to start working on some of these issues? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. And, um, so just, just to back up, cause we mentioned Kegels. Um, so there's nothing wrong with Kegels, but they are overly prescribed and many times they're not prescribed for the right reasons. Um, so just a little note for anyone who may be listening to this and, you know, you've gone to your GP or your gynecologist lately and they're like, Hey, have you been doing your Kegels? And you're like, uh, yeah, sure thing all the time. And you're like, <laughs> I don't like, no one's ever showed me how to do Kegels. No one's ever told me why. Um, why is my doctor reminding me to do my Kegels? Um, so I'm not, I, you know, doctors do their best. We're all just out here doing our best. But the issue I have with prescribing Kegels to everyone is, is not everyone will need Kegels. And the only way to know that is to have your pelvic floor assessed by a pelvic health PT. So it's kind of the analogy, like if I go into the doctor's office because I hurt my bicep and I walk into the office with my arm behind my back and, you know, my doctor never looks at my arm, never touches it, never tests my range of motion, never tests my strength, my coordination, my power, nothing. And just says, okay, yeah, you hurt your bicep. You should do some bicep curls. Like that just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And that happens to the pelvic floor all the time. So if you're out there and you're like, yeah, my doctor's telling me all the time I should do my Kegels ask why. (laughs) And if your doctor doesn't have a good reason, tell them, great. I would like a good reason. I would like, you know, a referral to a pelvic health PT so I can figure out whether my body needs Kegels or whether it doesn't. Um, There's this common misconception that if you're leaking urine with activity or sneezing or laughing or anything like that, that your pelvic floor is weak and therefore you need to strengthen it with Kegels. In most instances, this is not the case at all. In fact, Kegels is the last thing your pelvic floor might need. So a muscle can get weak from a few reasons. From a musculoskeletal standpoint, your muscles can be weak if they are long and weak. They can also be weak if they are short, contracted, and weak. And when it comes to the pelvic floor, because we know we hold a lot of stress and tension and story in our pelvic floor, most of the time those muscles are guarded. So they're short. And when a muscle is shortened, it is weaker. So another analogy I like to give is say I broke my arm and I've been in a cast for like four months and then I get my cast off. Most likely my arm will not be able to fully extend. I'll have a little bit of flexion in my elbow. I'll have a bit of a contracture because those muscles got shortened. So I'm able to generate a lot more strength and power if I have full range of my arm, if I'm able to go from full extension to full flexion. If I only have limited range of motion, I'm trying to generate power within that limited range, I'm not going to be able to generate as much strength and power. So the pelvic floor is the same way. So when we're talking about a healthy pelvic floor, most likely for most of us, Kegels are not the answer because we don't want to just, you know, give our already short and contracted muscles a dumbbell and say, yeah, just keep lifting this. That's actually going to make the issue worse. First, we need to actually lengthen the muscles. We need to give them their full range of motion so that they're able to operate in a healthy way to create strength and power. So just a little side note on Kegels, because <laughs> I'm sure everyone's <laughs> been thinking about it. They're like, oh, you got a pelvic health PT on. When's she going to talk about Kegels? Well, I just right. did. And it's probably not what you expected. <laughs> Let's take a quick break to talk about Power Insole. When I first heard about this product, I was automatically turned off because of the name. I thought it helped support the foot, which was a huge no for me. 
I quickly found out I was wrong. Power Insole is a two by two gel pad that goes inside your shoe that works on your body's cells to help improve your recovery and your performance. I've been testing this out for a couple weeks now and really am amazed by the results. Like my body just feels better. My legs don't feel as heavy. And one really cool thing is you can put it on an area that's maybe injured or just achy and that pain and stiffness goes away quickly, or at least it did for me, which I thought was awesome. If you are looking for just a simple, easy way that you can enhance your recovery and your performance, I really encourage you to check out Power Insole and give it a test ride for yourself. You can find more information about them and pick up one for yourself at getyourfixpt.com slash powerinsole. And if you use code getyourfix at checkout, you can save 10%. You can also go to my partner's page, getyourfixpt slash partners, and find the link directly to Power Insole as well as all my other partners. And now let's get back to the show. Um, but yeah, going back to your question, Brianne. So you were talking about double unders and jump roping. And I think leakage was that, was that your question? Yeah. So for that person who was like, yeah. they know that every time they do jump uh, rope, yeah. like they're going to leak, like what can they start doing to start working on some of these issues? Yes. Okay. Perfect. Let's talk about that. Great question. So um, again, we have to think about what is the cause of this leakage? So we know that there's a dysfunction. There's an area of weakness within the deep core system. So we know that our deep core system holds and manages pressure. When we're jumping up and down and jump roping, we're creating a lot of pressure within that core system. Every time our feet hit the ground, we're going to be generating 2.5 to five times our body weight being exerted through our upper extremities. So that is a lot of pressure for our core system to manage. And if it's not able to manage it properly, that pressure is going to find the path of least resistance in the system and it's going to push against it. If the path of least resistance is your pelvic floor, you're going to have symptoms of urine leakage or pelvic organ prolapse, things of that nature. So we have to think about what is actually happening in the body that could be contributing to this. And then we have to think about, okay, we know there's weakness in the system. Are these pelvic floor muscles weak because they're long and weak? in which case we'd want to strengthen them, or are they weak because they're short, contracted, and weak, in which case we would want to lengthen them before we can start to, to strengthen them. So that's something that working with a pelvic health PT, you'll be able to figure that out. Um, we also want to look at our two big strategies, posture and breathing. So we want to look at how we're actually doing our jump ropes. So I'll tell you, um, for women, a lot of us, we have this really... Um, kooky posture we get into when we're jumping rope and also when we're running too. Um, and this usually creeps up uh, postpartum uh, a lot because we have developed a lot of postural habits throughout nine months of carrying a baby. And then all of a sudden that baby's gone and our body is like, okay, how do we move through the world again uh, without, um, without a baby? Um, so, so if you take a look at individuals um, who are running, jumping rope, experiencing pelvic floor dysfunction, take a look at their posture. So many of us will jump rope or run with our chest pushed outward, increasing a lot of low back lordosis. And if we're in this position, we know that our core system is not in alignment. We're going to have kinks in the system, which means that the system isn't going to be able to work as optimally as it could. Uh, we also know that our breathing is not going to be optimal as well, which means we're not going to be able to turn on those muscles as well as we could be. So when you're jumping rope, take a look at your posture. Are, is your chest really far forward? Are your hands really far back? Also, when you're hopping, are you hopping with soft landings or are you creating a lot more pressure throughout your lower extremity that has to be, you know, that pressure has to go into your deep core system. So what does that pressure that you're generating look like? Also take a look at your breathing pattern. So are you breath holding when you're doing double unders? Are you holding your breath for concentration every time you're doing a double under? If that's the case, we know that we're not able to use the breath to get into the core system, to fire up the system if we're holding our breath. So that's not gonna be optimal. 
So take a look at your posture, take a look at yourself in the mirror when you're jumping rope, uh, take a look at your breathing strategies and take a look at your landings and think about what's happening in that core system and what you're asking your body to do. Is there a way that you could set your body up for success to do those things in a more healthy way? Awesome. When talking about, like it's, I think it's a pretty common or it seems very common, not normal, but common for <laughs> people who have had kids, moms to have more issues with leaking than say other people. Um, uh-huh. Is it true? Is it mostly because of that postural change that happens or is there something more internal because all that area has been stretched? Like what's going on with that? Yeah, that's a great question too. So it's really interesting to look at the history of pelvic health. So pelvic health PT only came to the United States about 15 years ago. Um, And when it came to our shores, it was known as women's health. And all these things we talk about were known as women's problems, um, which is not true at all. It's not true at all. These are not women's problems. These are human problems. Um, Anyone who moves and has a pelvic floor can experience any of these dysfunctions. And we know the reason and the mechanism for experiencing these dysfunctions is improper use of the deep core system. So um, men can experience these same dysfunctions. Children experience these same dysfunctions. Any population can experience these dysfunctions. We see it a lot more Um, with women postpartum for a few reasons. So when we look at the pelvic floor muscles and we look at the bottom of the pelvis, um, female bodied individuals and male bodied individuals, there are some differences. So men have two holes on the bottom of their pelvis. um, And any men who are listening to this, you can identify those for yourself. Uh, Women, we have three, we have three holes on the bottom of our pelvis. So when we're talking about pressure management, we have another place for that pressure to kind of leak out of. So we already have a system with more holes in it to say. Um, So postpartum, what happens, no matter how smoothly your labor and delivery is, it's still gonna be trauma to the body. Um, And we know that the pelvic floor holds trauma, it holds stress, it holds story. Whenever we're going through a potentially injurious or dangerous situation perceived by the body as such. So it doesn't have to be a actual dangerous situation like labor and delivery um, doesn't have to be a dangerous situation, but the body is experiencing it as such. It's going to have some protective mechanisms against what is happening. So one of those protective mechanisms is that the body could start to guard. So the pelvic floor muscles start to shorten and contract and guard to protect you against what's happening. Also, if the body cannot take you out of a situation, the body will try to take you out of the body and out of that situation. So we could have something called dissociation. So that's essentially, I work with a lot of women postpartum who I've been working with, you know, while they were pregnant. And when they're pregnant, we work on engaging the pelvic floor, both for relaxation and contraction and for endurance and for power and for all these good things that muscles need to be able to do. So they are very familiar with what a Kegel is and what it means to contract their pelvic floor and they're very good at it. But when I see them postpartum and I'm like, all right, cool, we're going to contract your pelvic floor. You know how to do this. We've been working on this for, for a long time while you were pregnant, let's contract your pelvic floor. And they're like, okay, yeah, I got this. And they try to do it, but nothing happens. And they're like, oh my gosh, wait, why can't I do this? I know how to do this. I've done this for months. What's going on? And what's going on is that we have this separation between the brain and the body because we just went through a trauma and our body tried to take us out of that trauma to protect us by creating this separation between the brain and body. We have this dissociation between the brain and the pelvic floor. So um, I just, I was about to go on a tangent. (laughs) I'm going to reel myself back. (laughs) I'm going to reel myself back. In postpartum, we're already in a space where we've gone through a very physically demanding event, right? Uh, Bringing a baby into the world is like running a marathon. So like, it's something we want to train for. It's also something we need to recover from. Um, It's a very taxing, very physically demanding event. So postpartum, our whole body is kind of in this like healing needs rest sort of phase. Uh, The body is in a more Um, I don't want to say fragile state because we're never fragile, but it's in a more 
um, it's in a, in a place of repair. It needs some rest and some loving kindness right now as things are healing and, and the body's integrating what just happened to it. So we see a lot of these dysfunctions creep up postpartum for these reasons. The body is in a state of repair and rest. Um, so any compensations that you've been using in the past to you know, support your not so great postural habits or your not so great breathing habits or your lack of pelvic floor coordination, those things are gonna pop up. They're gonna bubble to the surface because you're not gonna be able to bring those compensations into play when you're in this state of needing rest and repair. So we see a lot of those dysfunctions creep up postpartum for that reason. And also we see it more so in women because we have another hole on the bottom of the pelvis. So our pressure management demands are much higher. So on that note, it's a good segue into what I wanted to dive into um, mm-hmm. still. People who are active, runners, crossfitters, like a lot of times, if they're able to tolerate it, it's like they're training pretty much all the way up until they give birth. And then some are, some will wait, some just kind of want to jump back into training. Are there like, which I know is not good. What, <laughs> like, are there certain benchmarks someone should be able to achieve prior to like, say starting to run again or starting to jump again or, or do certain things? Or is it kind of just a, like, wait, six weeks, wait, eight weeks. Like, what does that look like for like someone to have a good, healthy body kind of moving forward? Yes, that is an awesome question as well. So I spend a lot of time talking about this with my clients. Um, So it's very interesting to me. So like, if you were to you know, have an injury, like say you have an ACL repair and, um, like your doctor is not going to be like, all right, cool. Like, you know, just rest and recover, give it six weeks and you'll be good to go. Like you will not be able to walk. If you follow that protocol of doing nothing, like that is not going to be helpful for you. And it's very interesting with labor and delivery. Like once someone delivers a baby, we're like, okay, yeah, like just rest, recover and come in in six weeks. And we'll check to make sure that there's like no signs of infection or anything like that. We'll spend like five minutes with you. Um, And then, uh, yeah, you're good to go. Return to like whatever you want to do. Like it's all, it's all good. Like that just doesn't make any sense. Um, from, I mean, common sense does not make sense. From a physiological stance, it definitely doesn't make sense. So we know that soft tissue takes about, you know, six to eight weeks to just complete that first stage of healing. And that first stage of healing is just approximating, you know, tissues back together. It doesn't mean that those tissues are able to withstand pressure or tension or anything like that. It doesn't mean that those tissues are going to be able to withstand running, jumping, lunging, lifting, any of those things. It just means that the tissues are approximated, they're back together and um, you know, your insides will stay inside of you. That's essentially what happens within six to eight weeks. So when we talk about returning to exercise, returning to running, returning to CrossFit, returning to whatever you wanna do, we need to think about how we can work with our bodies to support that healing process and start to introduce the demands of our activity in a healthy way. So we'll take running, for example. So we know that when we're running, every time a foot hits the ground, we're developing 2.5 to five times our body weight being exerted through each of those feet that has to be distributed into our deep core system. So we know that after labor and delivery, our pelvic floors are gonna be a little um, disconnected Uh, because we just went through trauma. If we had a C-section, we know that they cut through nine layers of abdominal tissue in order to reach the baby. We have nine layers of abdominal tissue that have to heal and repair. And we know that, you know, when we're running and generating that pressure, that pressure is going to be distributed in our deep core system. And if there's any areas of weakness, that pressure is going to push up against those areas of weakness. So if that area of weakness is our C-section scar, it's going to press up against that. If that area of weakness is our pelvic floor, because we just had a baby, it's going to press up against that. So we need to be aware of what our body just went through and honor our body for what it just went through and start to introduce um, exercise in a gradual fashion. 
So in terms of running, uh, we know that the mechanics of running, there are a few things that are needed. So we know that there's going to be times when there are no feet in contact with the ground. You know, there's going to be times, you know, maybe when you're starting off or walking, getting into your jog, that there's going to be times where you're in a single leg stance. You know, there's going to be times when um, like you're going to have contact with the ground and generating more pressure. So we need to train for all of these things. So there are some kind of return to running protocols for the pelvic floor that we can look at if they're appropriate uh, for certain individuals. And a lot of these protocols focus on, can you do 10 hops on both feet? Can you do those 10 hops forward? Can you do them backward? Can you do them to the side? Can you do them to the other side? Can you do those uh, hops on one foot? Are you able to do a hop where you're hopping about one foot off the ground? Are you able to do bounding? Are you able to do skipping? Are you able to, um, like, what's your core control like? Because with running, we need to make sure that we have our pelvic stability and that we have thoracic rotation to rotate around that pelvis. So what does your pelvic stability look like? What does your core stability look like? Are you able to engage proper breathing mechanics to fire up those muscles of your core system while you're running? What does your running posture look like? We've already talked about that a little bit. Have you adopted some compensatory uh, patterns of movement that are not serving your deep core system when it needs a little bit more support right now. Um, we also want to look at when talking about our breathing pattern, are we using our exhales appropriately? So we know that every time that we exhale, we're firing up that deep core system. We're creating that elastic recoil to help create st stability and a foundation for human movement. So are we really utilizing our exhales while we're running like we could to help support our system? So a lot of different things that we want to look at. Um, and of course, if you're working with a pelvic health PT, we're going to take a look at everything. So we're going to take a look at your posture, your running posture, your breathing, what your breathing strategies look like while you're running. We're going to be taking a look at what happens to those strategies when we're off the ground and we're doing hops or we're doing bounds you know, what, what is happening? What does your body need to refocus on right now to create that foundation for healthy human movement? So, and then from there, it's just like, you know, getting back to any activity, we're obviously not going to be like, all right, we just talked about your posture and breathing habits, go run five miles, see how it goes. Like we're going to ease into exercise and ease into the activity. So something that I love to introduce to my clients um, I have many clients who want to return to running after experiencing pelvic floor dysfunction. We do a lot of trampoline work um, to get in that rebounding aspect, because every time we jump our pelvic floor, you know, it's not like this wall that is just like holding things. The pelvic floor is super dynamic. So every time we're jumping or running, breathing, anything, the pelvic floor is modulating its support of the abdominal organs. So if we think of the pelvic floor, you know, if max relaxation is zero and max contraction is 10, the pelvic floor is constantly modulating its strength and, and support and being like, okay, now we need a level four back to level three. Now we're at six. Now we need max contraction 10. So it's constantly modulating that. Um, and we want to replic replicate that in therapy as well. So therapy is kind of the controlled environment. And then we start practicing the things that we learned in therapy in real life, which is chaos. <laughs> so yes. Uh -huh. When like you're starting to test like the hopping and the bounding and that sort of thing, are there certain things that we like when we're talking like pelvic floor area that we should or shouldn't be feeling to know like, okay, like I'm okay mm. to now go do a jump rope or run. Um, or is it just kind of like, okay, I can do it. I feel control. So I think I'm okay. Yeah. So um, creating awareness and listening to your body is super important and knowing what to listen for is really important. So if you're feeling any pain, obviously pain is a signal from your body that it does not feel comfortable doing whatever you're doing or doing it in the way that you're doing it. If you're feeling pressure on the bottom of your pelvis, then we know that, okay, the pelvic floor and the deep core system is not able to coordinate to support the abdominal organs. And that's why we're feeling a ton of pressure pushing down into the pelvic floor. Uh, if you're experiencing urine leakage, obviously that's a sign that whatever you're doing, you're, we're not doing it in a way that is helping our body and supporting our body. Uh, so that's a sign as well. Any leakage, no matter when or where is not normal leakage is never normal. And it's so interesting because, you know, right now, as we're having this discussion, Brianne, there's 25 million Americans who are peeing their pants. And the reality of the situation is no one ever has to pee their pants. 
um, if they don't want to. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Obviously this is not including babies, adults, (laughs) children, those with uh, bladder control. Um, But yeah, 25 million Americans are experiencing urinary incontinence and they absolutely do not need to be. But in our culture, um, you know, incontinence makes money. Uh, there's an entire industry built on adult diapers. If you go to any grocery store in our country, there's an entire aisle of adult diapers. It's a money generator. And what would happen if pelvic PTs got a hold of the American population and told them that they don't need to pee their pants any longer? Well, the diaper industry would lose out on a lot of money and that would be terrible for them, but great for the rest of us. So, um, yeah, so anytime that you're experiencing pain, pressure on the bottom of the pelvis, any sort of dysfunction such as urine leakage or not being able to hold gas in, things like that. Those are things that you really wanna pay attention to because we know that there is some sort of weakness, some sort of rift in the deep core system. And our body isn't able to manage the pressure that we're putting into the system with the tasks that we're asking our body to do. Awesome. Well, Julia, you gave us some really great information today. Um, if someone wants to learn more about you, just has more questions for you, um, where can they, or even if someone's in your area and wants help, where can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I would love to connect with everyone and anyone who has any questions about pelvic health. Um, I would love to hear your story and hear about your experience and help connect you with resources and guide you in what your body needs so that you can give those things to your body. Um, so I work with clients one-on-one within my clinic space in Bethlehem PA. So if you're in the Lehigh Valley area, come stop by, say hi. I host a lot of workshops here. I actually have a music venue in the backyard. So uh, a lot of fun things happen here, including pelvic health rehab, which is super fun. Um, if you are in another state or you're out of the country and you want to connect and you want to team up to explore your pelvic health and optimize your pelvic floor function, We can absolutely do that. You can go to my website at www.core4healingandwellness. It's C-O-R-E, the number four, healingandwellness.com. And we can do virtual pelvic health uh, consultations anywhere in the United States or across the ocean. I would love to connect with you and talk about your pelvic health. So those are two great ways to get in touch with me. If you're local, come say hi. Uh, If you're abroad, let's say hi over Zoom um, and talk about your pelvic health. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you getting on. Yeah. Thank you so much, Brianne. This was so much fun. And uh, I really appreciate you inviting me on. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. And before I close out, I have two questions for you. Do you feel like you're in a plateau with your progress? Or do you feel like you're stuck in an injury cycle? Both of these issues are very common and both of them can be fixed very easily. Most often, both of these issues come down to how you're training, or more importantly, what's missing in your training. By figuring out what's missing and adding that in, your training performance will improve, your racing performance will improve, and your injury cycle will break. I invite you to get on a free 30-minute consultation call with me to discuss what's going on with you, your life, your training, so we can really figure out what needs to be done to improve that. So head over to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash doc to book a free call with me. Thank you again for listening today. I greatly appreciate it and I hope you enjoyed this conversation. And until next time, let's go out and be highly functional.